0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in
1: New York is your home for all things Isle. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is hockey night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, October 15th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floyd Media in Rockville Center. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports will be joining us to talk some Arizona Coyotes. My name is Sean Cufford. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how do you do?
2: I'm doing fantastic, and I think the Islanders are also doing fantastic as they win their
0: Not season bad. opener. Not you know? bad after the start last night. We're obviously going to get into that. But before we do, want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagel. Satisfy your hunger. At 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also proud to be sponsored by Razor & Kniff Attorneys at Law, New York's premier trial lawyers ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com, R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F. Dot com. So, Stefan, the puck has officially dropped on the New York Islanders' season. Nice little 3-2 victory. Let's talk about it.
2: I think, first off, the biggest thing was the strong start. We were, you know, last year, that yes. was such a big issue. And you think, okay... Eight days between preseason game and start. You can't come right. out flat, what, right? What Islander
0: <laughs> team were we going to see? You can't yet. come out flat. And mm-hmm. if you don't
2: come out flat, that's kind of a fireball offense. Mm-hmm. You know, They're so antsy to get going. They're all ready to go. And they come out flying. You saw the speed. Mm-hmm. Every line was rolling. They get two quick goals. Brock Nelson, absolute snipe off. Uh, Pierre Engvall made a, a great play along yes. the boards. Yes, he did. Later on in the frame, I think with like two minutes to go in the first, uh, Pulak hit the net. Shot, he did, and that he produced did. a rebound that Nelson fired back, right? It ricocheted off Palmieri, skating off Clifton at the back post, and then mm-hmm. Clifton forgot that he signed with Buffalo this summer. Yeah, um, rough
0: outing for him. Rough outing, rough for, outing him. for him,
2: and yeah. uh, two nothing lead into the first intermission.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the storyline last year where they had all those slow starts. They were always playing from behind. There was actually a stat on the great Eric Hornick's, the skinny, the NYI skinny. They only had like four or five games last season where they were up by two goals after like the first and second period. So it just goes to show you what they were either playing catch-up or they were playing those one-goal grinded-out games. And, and it became one of those later on in the game. But it was nice to see them get out there, not only score the first first goal, but get the second one as well. And also their first season-opening home win since 1995.
2: I was not even it, a thought yet, so you know that is
0: that is a scary, sad stat. Like that well, is,
2: I think they've only played. They haven't eight had games. a lot. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's which is weird. Like why haven't they opened more seasons? I would think that maybe those home. are
2: national TV games, and the Islanders weren't really mm-hmm. good at that at that moment in time, or those mm-hmm. moments in time for many years. So That's maybe a they did draw. Thought. I don't know, but you know, the rest is history. They won it. Right, and you move on.
0: That's correct. So, start the season perfect, 1-0. Let's dive into a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit about the first line to start. Not so much on the score sheet, but how did Barzell and Holmstrom and Horvat look last night?
2: Fast. And I think, one, Horvath, I had eight shots last yeah. night. And that's, again, we talk about quality over quantity, right? But at the same time, early on in that game, uh, Devin Levi... Rebound control was not good. So I think it was smart for mm-hmm. that line and every line to just test him and test him. Barzal and Horvat seemed to be clicking like they did last year. And I thought, again, the question was, could Holmstrom be effective with those guys? Mm-hmm. He took a lot of, you know what, the entire week leading up to it that yes. he can't be that guy. And we'll get to it later. But he he was, I thought, he did exactly what he had to do. And I think the strongest thing we saw from him was his neutral zone play. Mm-hmm. Anytime he had the puck along the boards, quick tap pass to either Horvat or Barzal, and the more important thing was it was in stride, which allows for that transition game, because if those passes are behind either one of those, it, that ruins the play, and he he hit, he found time and space, mm-hmm. um, he created lanes and everything for his teammates, and I thought he had a strong showing.
0: Yeah, I thought that, even though they weren't really on the score sheet, I thought that line was buzzing pretty well. And, you know, that's something people are going to be, you know, obviously looking at with Holmstrom, and and look, a lot of people, they look at the stat sheet, right? If, it, and if he doesn't have any points on the board, then what did he do, right? But as long as he's doing that job as kind of the third leg, you know, to complement Horvat and Barzell, and they're putting the points up, that's fine with me. As long as long as the line is successful. I don't care. I don't care if Holmstrom puts up 30, 40, 50 points, as long as the line is putting up the points they need to, and they're scoring the goals that are going to help them win these games.
2: And everybody wants the Islanders to have that sniper to play with Horvat and Barzell. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the Islanders, that person is is not on the team right now, and in terms of prospects, Perhaps. is not here. Now, people said we want they wanted Wallstrom there. Clearly, Wallstrom's not ready to play. He might say he's ready to play. He needs time. But again, Barzal and Wallstrom played 25 games together last year. Wallstrom's biggest issue with Barzal, the shifty k- kid that he is, mm-hmm. is trying to find the open ice, and they'd run into each other or crisscross each other and get confused. And you need a player that's going to keep it simple, and Holmstrom, again, Holmstrom just went to open space. Mm-hmm. He, he got the puck off his stick as quick as possible to those guys and just let them do their thing, and that's what you have to do with that line. I, I think Godet would have done something similar. I think Fashing does that as well. Just keep it simple, and Holmstrom did that.
0: Yeah, and why don't you talk a little bit about the the swap from the right side to the left for Barzell. I know you put a piece out on the Hockey News. Maybe just uh, you know, let everybody know what, what the mindset was behind Barzell doing that.
2: Yeah, so obviously he comes into camp the whole summer working on being a right-winger for Horvat. He's a right-handed shot. So mm-hmm. it was one game. It was game three of the preseason against the Rangers. Holmstrom made a pass. Holmstrom's a lefty and is naturally a right-side guy, right wing. Threw the puck across the neutral zone, hit Horvat in stride. Horvat scores on the wrap run. And Barzell said that was a key moment where he realized, one, he'd rather be on the left because he likes to cross over the blue on his backhand, get momentum to the outside, which mm-hmm. makes sense. But also, he saw how effective Holmstrom could be. And I think that just goes to show Barzal's maturity because it wasn't just focused on him and what he could do and how he's best there. It's that he knew how the line could be effective. And he went up to Lambert and said, hey, I'd rather play the left side. Mm -hmm. And Lambert said, let's try it. And the rest is history, I think, too. With Barzal having the right-handed shot, he can cut to the slot now. I mean, he's got the hands. Cut to the slot and get that shot off. Mm -hmm. And we've seen the confidence in his shot since preseason camp opened. So I think that's going to benefit the Islanders immensely. And, And it's funny, too, because... The, all the talk was they have to get a left winger, they have to get a left winger. Now the conversation is go get a right winger if Holmstrom doesn't work out. And that well that changes everything. Well,
0: as you brought that up, I mean, we there's definitely a bigger chance now of perhaps seeing Wallstrom there eventually yeah. if and when Lambert's looking for a change, if Holmstrom's not working out or if he wants to get another look. But I think... That really raises the uh, the chances here of seeing Wallstrom with Horvat and Barzell, and, and who knows, maybe they can uh, cook a little bit, as the kids
2: say. I made a joke on Twitter that people took serious. It, it happens, but this free agent class, Jordan Eberly is available. Anthony Bavilia is available. Again, <laughs> more so kidding yeah. on the Bavilia. just in sure. terms of Eberly, I mean, if Eberly was on that line, you're talking about Barzell, Horvat, Eberly. <laughs> That'd be yeah, useful, I mean, you know? let's
0: let's get there, but uh, certainly uh, that'll be a talking point as the as the off comes, unless somebody shows Steps something up. this season and shows that they belong there. So I'm I'm a little intrigued to see if and when. Oliver Wallstrom ends up there. But for now, we're going to give Simon Holmes from a shot and see how he works out there. Now, let's move on to the line that uh, led the charge in the scoring. Let's talk about the second line. Picked up right where they left off from last season, Brock Nelson, Pierre Engvall, and Kyle Palmieri. Brock Nelson, goal and assist. Everybody's talking Brocktober. Here we are. It's arrived. And uh, maybe just touch on how they played.
2: Well, first off, I think you got to talk about Engvall. I mean, that was a guy that went under the radar last year because he wasn't racking up the goals and stuff. And that line was flourishing. Well, you saw again yesterday, speed. His speed is ridiculous for how big he is, but mm-hmm. also his reach. I mean, the board play that sets up Nelson's first goal. I mean, that's all Engval there. Right. They don't have that. Oh chilling. no, he was excellent on that And again, yeah. too, you also have to remember, yeah, Nelson scored it, but Palmieri getting open to become a pass option made the defenseman have to go think about, okay, do I commit to the shot or because if I commit to the shot, Nelson just passing it for the tap in. So I thought Palmieri also too crashing the net on on um, the goal that direct uh, deflected off him and then Clifton, but. That goal, both goals happened because Palmieri went to the, the net, essentially. So I think that whole line just worked really well together. They, the transition game was great, but they also did everything they had to do in the offensive zone to create chances, and, and they got goals.
0: Yeah, they looked really good, and, and it looks like the Isles could end up having a nice little you know option here with the first and second line to you know keep the other teams honest. And I'm still we're still waiting to see the first line getting the score sheet. Maybe a couple of pucks ended up in some goalie logos that could have ended up in a better spot, you know, heading towards the net. But I still like what I saw out of them. Obviously love what I saw out of the second line. And uh, maybe now we can just move on the bottom six. Talk about Casey Ezekis. He gets that deflection goal. It was challenged. It obviously ends up ends up working out. And uh, the fourth line, how did they perform? Because everybody's question how the fourth line is going to be this year. If it's finally going to be broken up, if they're too old, if they're going to stay healthy, how would they look?
2: I thought it was mixed reviews for them. I think it was a strong start getting in on the four check. The second period, everyone played pretty bad. Um, I wouldn't call them out. And then couple of mistakes happened. The mm-hmm. goal, the middle stack goal, backhander, which you could blame Dobson for. You could blame the fourth mm-hmm. line turnover behind their own net, mm-hmm. whatever it goes in. But when it mattered on a huge shift late in that game with what, seven minutes ago, a little under that, it's just really strong shift by the fourth line. Puck gets to Pelik at the point. Zizekas deflects it. There's a whole challenge now, whether it was yeah. high stick by Zizekas, mm-hmm. Dobson offside, offsides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all high sticks are reviewed. So that wasn't needed to be challenged, but Granato challenges the offside call. He thought after the game that it was offside. Mm. The league uh, disagreed, and the Islanders get a goal, and Casey Zekas comes through.
0: Yeah, big winner for Casey Zekas. Now let's talk about the third line. Uh, Lee Pajot and uh, Hudson Fashing. Pajot won 10 of 12 faceoffs in the circle. How'd they look out there for you?
2: I think think this was the most interesting line because I Mm -hmm. think it's going to take time for Lee to figure out what he has to do to play Mm -hmm. on that line. I'm I'm not saying he's going to be bad at it. I just think it's different. And I don't think Fashing stood out. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I just think they have to play more games together to build up that chemistry because, again, Fashing's an easy guy to play with. But I just think Lee. I think Lee's the most important player in that line because, one, he could bring the offense, but also he's not bad defensively. He just has to figure out when he's got to step up in right. like, the rush, when he's got to stay back. And then once he figures that out, everyone else will find their places because, again, they, gotta, they haven't played together that much. So I think... That's a line to watch for sure. I could see Godier playing on that line instead of Fashing. I could yeah. see matchups the way you wanted to go about it. I could see Wallstrom on that line too. Um, I think that's that's one you got to figure out. But again, mm. if. If Pajot is going to win the face-offs, that line's always going to be important because they'll be out there for the defensive zone draws and things like that.
0: Yeah, and look, they get the win in their first game. They beat a team who they're going to have to keep below them in the standings. This this is a game we can end up looking back, in later, back on later in the season saying that was a big win for them because Buffalo's probably going to be right there fighting oh, yeah. for, them for a playoff spot. So it's a good way to start the season. And look, one game in, but... You know, let's roll with these lines a little bit. Let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do this week, and you know, reassess from there. We'll see if Holmstrom still fits in the first line. We'll see how the the Lee Pagel dynamic works out. And I'm curious to see, you know, if if Lambert is going to have a little bit more of a rotation with players, or if we're going to see the typical well, if they're winning, I'm not touching anything.
2: Well, that's the thing, right? Let's mm-hmm. say Holmstrom had a bad game, but the Islanders absolutely killed the Sabers. Right. You kind of got to go with that lineup again. So I think until it's it usually doesn't what work, happens, yeah. Now again, if Holmstrom, we could talk about Holmstrom passing up that. That shot he had, it was a, was a three-on-two, essentially. Holmstrom has a wide-open lane, passed it to Barzal. Barzal tries to feed Horvath at the back post. Mm-hmm. Pass gets intercepted. And then all the talk was Holmstrom doesn't trust his shot. He should be taking that shot. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that for sure, and I also understand a young player who's on a line with two very talented players, and his job is to get them the puck as yeah. much as he possibly can. And you watch the replay. It wasn't as clear of a lane as, as people are making it out to be. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a defenseman there. Right. Um. So it was going to have to be a really quick shot or addition, and again, not saying that it was wrong for him to pass it, but he does say, listen, if Barzal gets that pass across, which he probably makes 9 out of 10 times, we're not talking about this. It's right. a tic-tac-toe gorgeous play. right? Um, but right. I think Holmstrom, though, has to show that he's confident in his shot for two reasons. One, for him to get his offense going, but two, the defenseman didn't seem as a threat. Right? He, they were able to play the pass knowing... I mean, they got the pass off to Barzal, but that defenseman knew Barzal's on the forehand there. He's not scoring there. He's passing it across. So I think if... If uh, Holmstrom could bury or just get strong shots on goal there, then it forces the opposition to, okay... He might. He's a threat now, and then it opens right. up more time and space for other people.
0: Yeah, I get why some people might have looked at that play and said one pass too many. I know watching it live, I questioned it too. I saw the replay, and I was like, all right, all right, all right. But, but yeah, look, that's another thing too that Holmes was going to have to do, get a yeah. little more confident in establishing his place on that line and get more confident in his shot. And, again, I think we should roll with it. And why don't we uh, move on to the defense a little bit? You mentioned Noah Dobson's name before. I want to know what you thought about his game.
2: Yeah, um Bet. <laughs> I, I mean, if we're just going to be plain and simple, uh, he had a very we, tough game. We try
0: game. to be honest on this show. <laughs> he, had
2: a, he had a very tough game, and I think yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate for him because you kind of look at this season being with Pelic as it's kind of like a new slate. Just because he's playing with a veteran guy, their, their best shot-down defenseman, and it, you just saw the same mistakes you saw at the end of last year or throughout all of last year, you didn't see any strides. you know, Going behind the net on that middle stack goal. You know, you got Martin back there. There's no reason to leave the front of the crease. And at the same time, you saw a guy like Romanov having an excellent game. Yeah. So I think the disparity there in terms of growth from Romanov and the growth of Dobson and Romanov's been here a lot shorter time, you know, it's questionable because, again, Dobson can bring the uh, the offensive output all he wants, but you can't play, a, you can't be a top-pairing defenseman if you're going to struggle mightily in your own zone every night. You can't, there's no trust there, essentially. So, um, yeah, it's just, you, you got to start to see him make the smarter decisions and especially in front of goal. I mean, that's how goals are scored in today's NHL: screens, deflections, and if you can't body somebody out in front, or defend the pass, or whatever, defend the crease. It's kind of tough to throw you out there in big moments and games. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm waiting to find out if if Noah Dobson is just still struggling to find his game on the defensive side of things. If it's still just a growth thing for him, still being a young player, and I'm also wondering if it's in his head. You know, if it's all mental. look, it's, I think it's, it's all mental. Yeah, well, it is one way or another, but is he putting too much pressure on himself or has he just not found his stride yet with the you know the defensive side of things? Because, you know, he's still making some decisions, at least in game one, that are a little questionable and that could have been a little more costly, uh, you know, depending on how things would have panned out. But, but I'm just waiting to see whether this is something he's eventually going to figure out or if, or if this is something that's going to kind of uh, be his Achilles heel you know as he as he continues to be a, a defenseman here for the Islanders
2: yeah that's that's the big question because again too is that puts a lot more pressure on Pelic and when if Dobson's stepping at the wrong times or missing his guys like you saw in that goal the Greenway goal I mean Pelic has to dive left and right to try to make a play and right. they get exposed and that's the tying goal uh that was like excuse me that was the two-1 goal yes, for two them one, yeah I mean, Greenway made a great play. That's a great deke and a great finish there, but... Sorokin
0: was way out of his crease, too. Well,
2: because he he thinks the shot's good. Right, right, right. right. But again, too, that's a two-on-one in tight. That should never happen. So, again, maybe people looked and said, oh, Pelic messed up there. Well, pelic has got to kind of take two guys, and at that point, he's just... He's trying to do what he can at that moment in time. And there's Puck watching, too. It wasn't on Dobson only for that goal happening. But, um, again, it's things like that where you're putting more stress on Pelic. and the Islanders need Pelic to be shut down Pelic and you don't want him to be overworked on a nightly basis because his partner's struggling mightily.
0: Well, I also think part of the strategy of putting those two together is maybe Pellick can make up for some Oh, the, for sure. Some of the gaffes on Dobson's and until he does figure it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, again, you just you need Pellic to be shut down Pellic and you don't want him mm-hmm. having to do two jobs at once. You want him to help out for sure, but right. it can't be Pellic out there as a one defenseman. Well, a pairing. You know, Dobson right. has to show right. up at some point in the defensive end. It just has to happen. No,
0: without a doubt. Again, one game, hopefully we see him pick it up. But I think, you know, there was a little bit of a, more of a, a microscope on him just because we're waiting to see him yep. kind of establish that that part of his game. And I guess it may may take a little more time to get there. We'll see. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. And uh, before we move on from talking about the team in their first game, Ilya Sorokin, first game of the season. You're a goaltender. how do he look, buddy?
2: I thought he looked phenomenal from the first shot. Square to the puck, no rebound, catching everything, tracking the puck. And I thought the other thing, too, that he did that we haven't seen a lot of is block shots going to his blocker. He was not redirecting, like absorbing it and putting it to the corner. He was punching it.
0: Right, So he yeah, did it the first yeah.
2: time, and immediately I was like, Yeah, one oh. of
0: them went all the way down the length of the ice. So the first yeah. one
2: he did didn't go to the corner, and I thought, I was looking back at the replay, and I said, this, this guy is so smart, and he doesn't have to think about it, is if he directs that first shot to the corner, mm-hmm. there was a Sabre guy on that, like, not in the corner, but where that puck would have gone to, where he could probably have picked up the shot and just scored there. Mm-hmm. He read that and he punched it out to where nobody was to give him more time to get. Uh, yeah. You. And then yeah. the second time, there were so many people down low in his zone that he realized I could punch this out of the zone if they're not going to transition it for him and break it out, he's going to do it. And he punched it out and went all the way down. But it's such a quick decision that he has to make: is do I direct that to the corner when there's traffic in front? And, it, and he punched it out. Listen, some goalies might do that, and it goes to the slot, and they're screwed. But he read that there was nobody there, and if he got it right. high enough, which he did, mm-hmm. that's a zone clear, and you get a yep. line change. I mean, that's that's essentially playing the puck, which he doesn't do. Right. So I think right. if he's able to do that, I mean, listen, he's that's a that's a slower shot coming in. That's in right. time to read the play. But if he's not going to come out and, and do what Jesterkin does and help the transition game and help clear the zone, mm-hmm. that's one way to do it. Right.
0: Now it was a clever little play there. So all in all, first regular season game, did they look different from their preseason output or what?
2: Uh definitely. Yeah. I think they look again, they look faster. They had their throws in the second, but we talk in every game there's, you know, Buffalo's gonna gain momentum. It's always gonna happen. It's mm-hmm. how you finish in these games. And I think it's not like that's not how you want the opening game to go, where you have a two nothing lead uh, two nothing lead, yep, and you blow it and it's two two and you have to win in the last seven minutes. Right. But it so that resiliency is back, where they did falter a little bit, and they didn't they didn't fall down and and just yeah. Fall
0: down. That's what I wanted to highlight because I know there was some some groans and concerns about how they finished out the preseason, and you know we tried to kind of say on the show, hey, look, they're not going hundred percent here; they're still figuring things out. And I think it was very it was very encouraging to see how they came out from jump and they played that calm hockey. To even though they gave up the the two goal lead, they still played calm, cool, collected. They get the go ahead goal, they clamp it down, they get the win.
2: And I think it's also important, too, is that the power play was 0-3 and they won the game. Whereas last year, you know, they lost those games because their power play didn't come through. They were able to beat that, essentially, and, and say we're still going to find a way to score a five 5-on-5 five and not think that oh, for 3 and the power play is going to be a death sentence.
0: And and now that you mention it, what, what did you think of the 0 for 3 power play in about 4 minutes and 38 seconds of power play time?
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of the same issues that we saw. Um, yeah. You saw the drop pass, getting picked off. You saw that. You mm-hmm. saw Dobson struggle. You saw the passes going behind guys, a lot of perimeter play, not a lot of shots on goal. Yeah, I know Barzal, passes were not on the table. I know Barzal had one one-timer or slap shot and mm-hmm. hit let Levi, made a nice glove save actually on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were just showing again, and we talked about it in camp. I mean, there was one practice that they were so um, – they made so many sneaky plays, starting with Dobson on passes, no-look passes, and it mm-hmm. worked, and they were scoring in practice. And I talked to all of them, and they said, that's that's how you got to work on the power play. Yeah. And I we just didn't see any of that um, Saturday night. You just They showed their hand way too much, and Buffalo was pretty aggressive in terms mm-hmm. of their kill. And they just read it like a book, yeah. and they made it pretty easy. And then, again, that's how teams like that gain momentum. When your power play is not an advantage, it's an advantage for the other team.
0: Right, and the good news is, on the flip side, the the PK was was successful. They didn't give up any up any power play goals, so hopefully that continues to be a strong suit for the team. So listen, three two win, and look, there's ebbs and flows to, to a sixty minute hockey game. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be controlling the pace all game. So yeah, it was it got a little iffy when they gave up the uh, the two goal lead, but again they were able to hold on to a three two win. Hopefully that boosts the team's confidence and they head uh, head into this week feeling pretty good.
2: Yeah. that's Great. Well done. That's uh, <laughs> that was great. No, you just look at it as the problem now is how do you build momentum when you have a couple of days off after waiting a whole, you wait a whole week to play. And then you have to wait Sunday and Monday to then get back out there. Can they carry that momentum? Cause they're going to play the Coyotes who are going to be playing the Rangers Monday night. We already know that veg milk is going to be in goal against the Islanders. He shut them out to nothing last year. He was also, I'm pretty sure in goal for when the Coyotes came back in Arizona. I think the Islanders had a Say three nothing lead or oh, buddies, lead that. Buddy,
0: save it for what's on tap. I mean, yeah, uh, you know Jeez. what? you know what? Well,
2: we're, we're talking gonna, about we're gonna game? talk
0: about that, buddy.
2: You know, you hit it to me. You know, it's, that's on me. That's on me. I apologize. All right, so we're gonna take a quick
0: break and then go into what's on tap. But there's <laughs> something I need to address on on the on the show on the program right now. Uh, Ed, looking very very spiffy right now. What's what's going on with the get up here? What's what's up here,
3: pal? You look great. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I got the suit and tie on. You know, obviously. You do, yeah, hard you hard to hide. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I th- figured uh. First show back, start of the new season. I might bring a little class to this side of the uh, oh wow, wow, my, a little dress up table. for hockey night in New York. I thought no? I might impress Jay, you know. I thought I, <laughs> he's a
0: hard man to impress, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, but I,
3: I, I, I had a wedding today, and <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, <all> right, uh, <laughs> I good. had a wedding today, but uh, straight you know, straight from the wedding, the dedication, straight from the wedding, you, and, time, uh, baby, you know, it was a fall wedding, so orange tie show tonight, body of I mean, works, navy, and and orange. I mean. You look great. You look Start like of the new season. Well, I, I think I think we're going to make this a regular thing, Ed. You're going to have <laughs> yeah. to wear a suit for the rest of the season. Can I do the anchor Into thing the where, I'm in, uh, where I'm in boxers on the bottom and I just wear the top suit?
0: Uh, that'll make me a little uncomfortable, uh, so i prefer be, if you kept the pants for on. for us, yeah. yeah for the even though the viewers home.
3: don't see it, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I'd I like you to wear pants as well. All right, we'll wear pants. All
0: right, so why don't we take that break? <laughs> Thanks <laughs> to everyone note? for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We'll be right back. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by die-hard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the Hat Trick and the Hip Check, or fresh-made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, our goal is to make you a hero. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule, which uh, Stefan got ahead of himself a little bit there. But that's okay, we'll, 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 we'll backtrack a little bit and we'll get it going.
2: If you didn't know, they play the Coyotes on Tuesday. <laughs> they do, um, <laughs> they
0: play the Coyotes on Tuesday. After that, Friday versus the New Jersey Devils, they come to UBS Arena, and then they go into Buffalo on Saturday for a little rematch.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty important week, right? You look at again, you have to find a way to build off Saturday's performance. The Arizona Coyotes are coming off. I mean, they'll play the Rangers on Monday, but they had a fantastic game against the Devils the other night where that game was so much skill. Vegemelka stole the show in in overtime and the shootout, and the Coyotes get a win. And, um, again, this is a Devils team that's really good, and the Anals will see them on Friday, but... Mm Coyote's team is not a team you can take lightly, and I think this is the first time in a while where they this summer they focused on actually being competitive. And we'll talk to Craig about it. But yes. It's a dangerous team Mm. where, you know, they're they're just starting to become a competitive team, but I have them as a dark horse to make the playoffs. And teams like that are so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Plus Logan Cooley. I mean, that kid's an absolute. He looks like he's gonna be all right. That behind the back pass, if you guys were watching, I mean, again, that's like a ten year vet move. To pull that off in in your your first NHL game. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, but uh, this Coyotes team is is a revamped Coyotes team. They added a couple of veterans this summer, some young guys, and it's gonna be a tough team. Again, being on a back to back seems mm-hmm. like a trap game for the Islanders, right? You can't take them lightly, but mm-hmm. you got to beat teams that are in second games of back to back, especially early in the year.
0: Yeah, and and look, this is a team who, as you stated, is going to be better, but a team you got to beat. You're get, you know you're gonna be on home ice against a, a team who's still kind of looking to knock back into the playoffs here. I do think they're gonna be more competitive, but uh, this is this is a game that the Islanders should win.
2: Yeah and again we talked about it last year the Islanders lost both games to Arizona yeah. and it could it probably if they had not made the playoffs you say okay those are two games that cost them and the fact that it took 100%. 82 games. Oh, I remember everybody
0: was looking at those two games before they got in in game 82. Everybody was like, oh, those games against the Coyotes is going to kill them here. It's going to knock them out of the playoffs, and it almost did. So you're absolutely right. Um, these are these are games you got to bank points on. They started out well last night. you got to beat Arizona on Tuesday.
2: And I think Friday is a statement game against the Devils. Everyone's picking like the that. Devils to be either one or two in the division. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is just... Imagine that draft where people said, oh, Kako might go in, in, instead of Jack. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would have been a horrific fireable mistake. Um, But Jack Hughes is a stud. I mean, he is a top player in this league. Goaltending wise, Schmidt and Vanacek, they got to figure that out. But Dougie Hamilton looks strong out of the gate. It's the Devils are uh, Timo to Foley. I mean, they revamped this summer, made themselves even better, one would think. And it's just, again, this is a divisional opponent. The Devils are a team that are fast. And that's that's the biggest thing too, is you're testing your speed against theirs because the... Biggest thing for the Islanders last year yeah, is could they defend against speed? Right. Now, the Islanders did get faster in the second half with Horvat and Engvall. And with Barzal back now, they're even faster. And every line has some, uh, some speed there. So you've got to see, can, can the Islanders' speed match up against a team like that?
0: Well, speaking of all that speed, do you think Gauthier gets a chance on Friday against the Devils?
2: I, I do think it matters. He's known
0: for his footwork.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it really depends on what happens Tuesday. I think if is going to come in, I do believe it'll be on the third line. Okay. I, don't, I, think, I think Lambert's going to give Holmstrom a long leash. I just think they want that to work. I know Barzal and Horvath don't want to be mix and matching linemates. They want to build mm-hmm. on something. And okay. I think Holmstrom, again, if he could do what he did Saturday, there's no reason to take him out. I thought he was very good. Again, there's always room for improvement, but I thought he was good. Just Yeah, Godier brings that element that other guys, in the, I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the league. Mm-hmm. And he's huge, so um, yeah, maybe we do see him. I don't think we see Wallström in. I think it'd be Godier for, for fashion, and that'd be it. And then again, too, the Islanders aren't a back to back. So does Lambert decide to put one guy in then, and then rest another guy? I think it's too early in the year to even be thinking about making lineup changes because of back to back, besides goaltenders. Yeah, um, I
0: think we're probably gonna see Varlamov against the Sabers.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah, I would think you put Sorokin against the Devils for right. sure. But again, mm-hmm. it also impacts what you see tomorrow night. Yeah. Does Varley get in Tuesday? Does Varlamov play against the Coyotes?
0: I think that's a fair question. I don't know if I don't know if that's necessary just yet. I think you go back with Sorokin. No, I
2: just that. know for a fact that they probably again Varlamov's not going to be splitting fifty fifty, but right you want to keep both fresh and you want to keep one, you know, you want to get them into a groove early, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but I, I can so see Varley getting one game to start at the, out of the four. And I don't think that's an issue. Sorokin should be carrying the workload. I guess we'll see what happens on Tuesday, but these are all winnable games for sure. Again, the devils, sure. The devils lost against Arizona, but that was a, that was a sick game to watch. And again, to again, it's a statement game. So I think you mm-hmm. probably would see Sorokin in that one, just because you got to put your best foot forward there and put your a lineup out there. Not saying Varlamov can't win you a game, but, again, back-to-back, back, you play Varlamov against Buffalo. That's what I would do.
0: So give me your, your prediction for the week. What's the what's the
2: record with these three games? I'm going to say they're going to go 2-0-1. I think they beat Arizona and Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo hasn't shown me that – I mean, again, it was a close game against uh, the Islanders, but I didn't love the way they played in mm-hmm. terms of just – especially early on. I thought once the Islanders scored first, like, they would win that game mm-hmm. and, it, and it worked out. I think Arizona – for as good as they looked in their in their first game, Islanders on home ice still early in the year. Right. Mm-hmm. You, see if they mm-hmm. could build off. And I, I think the Devil game goes to overtime. Okay, they might drop it, but again, getting okay. points, that's the most important thing. You're, and if you get points against players, teams in your division, especially a, guy like, a team like the Devils, that's huge. But you, again, in any of these games, so early, you can't come out flat. And if you come out flat against the Devils, you're getting run out of town.
0: You're absolutely right. Uh, I like the 2-0-1. Oh, I'm going to go 2-1-1. They drop that one to the Devils in regulation, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, folks... I want to thank our great friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore games for sale and for open play food and drink beer and wine fun and friends bring the magic of phones down eyes up tabletop board games to your family our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases we have everything from strategic to easy party games get off your screens for a night your family will remember looking for meetups to join our Magic the Gathering Dungeons and Dragons Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all we also do parties and corporate events located at 307 main street in huntington village go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information main street board game cafe find your crowd unplug your game we're going to break one more time because craig morgan is going to join us to talk arizona coyotes so once again thank you for tuning in to hockey night in new york at twitch.tv slash hockey night ny we will be right back attention all artists storytellers and creators of all kinds it's time to make your content stand out above the rest and floored media is the place to make your visions become a reality maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook, or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out and no matter the project floored media has the professional facilities exceptional staff and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process if it's engineering production live streaming or post-production you name it floored media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to flooredmedia.com for more information and email contact at flooredmedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media.
3: Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train
0: rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And from PHNX Sports and an NHL correspondent, Mr. Craig Morgan, is joining us to talk some Arizona Coyotes. Craig, how we doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing excellent. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us on the program here tonight. So the Isles face off against the Coyotes on Tuesday. I want to talk a little bit about the team. But before that... Craig, can you give us an update on the arena situation going on down there in Arizona and maybe just talk a little bit about Mullet Arena, um, the fan experience, obviously a very unique situation down there. Uh, I would love to get over there for a game because it looks a lot of fun, but uh, maybe you can just talk on that a little bit to start.
1: Sure. Uh, as far as the arena update, um, gosh, I've been talking about this story for 15 years, so <laughs> sorry about I'll that. A lot of- <laughs> No, it's all right. Uh, obviously everyone is hoping for a resolution here yeah. earlier. I'm sure you guys are aware the Coyotes put a letter of intent on a, a piece of land in Mesa. Uh, I think they are also planning soon to, to move on another piece of land in East Phoenix. I think it's down to those two, to be honest, those two potential sites for where they could build the arena. Of course, they'll still have to close the deal. They're, these things are complex. It's not, it's not as simple as just buying land and erecting uh, an NHL arena, but, and as we saw with the Tempe vote, obviously that fell through, but that's where we're at. Um Gary Bettman, of course, way back at the draft, said that he hopes to have an announcement coming from the Coyotes around the All-Star break. So okay. that's the timeline they're on. I think they may actually announce something preliminary a little sooner than that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But in the meantime, as you mentioned, they're playing at 4,600 feet Mullet Arena, which is home to Arizona State's yeah. Division One hockey team is, it's obviously a challenge revenue wise. There are a lot of people around the league that aren't happy with it because it impacts league revenue. Um, but if you ever get a chance to get down there, it really is a unique experience. It's a loud building. The ice is fantastic there. Mm -hmm. So the the, the games are fun to watch. And they were, they were a pretty good team at home last year. You can't, you can't keep doing this right. They they can't stay there for four or five more years. Um,
0: well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Craig. I mean, you know, it's it sounds like there's a little bit of optimism if there's some some announcements coming. But wasn't that like a three year deal here with Molitorino? Am I am I correct in that?
1: No, it was a three year with a fourth year option. But as, okay. as I reported at the time, Arizona State told them, look, if it if you need to extend it past even that that one year option, the fourth year, we're, we're open to that. So it's okay. not going to be a problem. It's not like they're going to get kicked out. The, the question I have is is the board of governors really going to say yeah go ahead and play season 5 and 6 right. at Mullet Arena. yeah that's kind of we'll what
0: see. i was wondering i mean how long is the league going to let this go i mean it, it, do they ha- maybe they have some kind of internal deadline here saying okay look if they don't work it out by year x like it's it's time to start thinking about somewhere else right
1: well this is you know when i when i look at the situation with the, the morello group with alex Morello as the owner they they've had a couple possibilities they had something with asu way back when uh, Aaron Cohen was still the uh, president of the team, and I know that fell through because they couldn't fill the sports book on basically college-owned land for obvious reasons. Um, and then you have this Tempe um, plan that, honestly, I-, I thought was a great deal for the city, and so did most politicians and business leaders, but they got out campaign and they lost that vote. So now you've fallen through twice. I have to believe this is the Morello Group's last chance to get this done before the league moves on with something else. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about them moving to Salt Lake City, that's the uh, rumored as you were, I could probably check off 10 other cities that they were supposedly headed to in the past and it right. didn't happen. Right. I'm, I'm still gonna keep in the back of my my mind, as long as they have someone, and I've been told, and, and I haven't verified this, it's, it's just rumor that there are a couple other potential local buyers if it comes to that. The league mm. keeps saying they're not for sale, they're not for sale. So maybe it comes to that at some point i really keep in the back of my mind that if 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 the nhl wants to make as much money as possible why on earth would you go to one of these cities that is willing to pay the expansion fee, which could be like north of a billion dollars why would you relocate a team when you could get that fee instead just i always follow the money so we'll see how it all plays out
2: all right fair enough craig my question to you is, is what if they make the playoffs
1: <laughs> Great question.
2: We're like, are they going to have to do like a, a different site? Are they going to pack that place? I mean, that's that's revenue that they're not going to be able to make if yeah. they're only selling out that place.
1: I literally asked Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly that question, and he told me I don't see any reason why they wouldn't play playoff hockey. They haven't they haven't discussed it, but I don't see any reason why they wouldn't play playoff hockey there. Wow. Um, I thought of I thought of one good reason. I, I don't know if you guys you know. <laughs> I don't know where the media is sitting because there's a rail above the top row in the seats where they put media now.
2: Yeah. Uh, And
1: and which is, it's a tough situation, as you know, because fans stand up in front of you and then you can't see the game that you're supposed to be covering. But if they make the playoffs, they're selling that rail. There's no way media are getting that. There's a tiny press box that was built for college, the NHL takes that over for their stats crew. So I'm looking around. I'm like, what what does the catwalk look like? Could I sit up there and watch games? I really don't know how I'm covering the playoffs that they make.
0: Wow, yeah, that'll be an interesting issue to keep an eye on if it looks like they're going to the playoffs. but let's let's talk about the team on the ice now. They made some pickups there's some fresh faces. you're looking at guys like Zucker, Dumba, Dermott, uh, Sean Dersey. Um, it, it looks like as Stefan said before you came on, it looks like Arizona's finally looking to compete. Uh, how does this team look with these new faces and, and what's the I guess what's the buzz with the fans around the team? Are they excited? are they optimistic?
1: They are absolutely optimistic, and I think it's born out of more than simply the moves that they made this offseason. They are – sorry, guys, I'm on the street here, so they hear some street noise. Um, I I think it's born out of the the fact that they've watched what the hockey operations staff has done, Bill Armstrong has done since he came on board, with the support of the Morello group. That can't be ignored. He's built a really good scouting staff. He's built a really good development staff, and they have committed to accumulating those draft assets – to get prospects in the pipeline. I've covered this team for a long time, and they, they they have failed in those areas for so long. It is nice to see a hockey operations staff that really knows what it's doing. And I, I just believe that this staff is as locked in as I've ever seen with, with the Coyotes. So I think there's a lot of confidence coming from that. You know, fans are always going to think, yeah, we can make the playoffs this year. Bill Armstrong yes. has come out and said, I don't think this is a playoff team this year. If they, if they surprise, so be it but they are absolutely moving to, to become more of a competitive team. They moved out of that, that initial stage of the rebuild. Part of that is also you got core guys like Clayton Keller, Lawson Krause, who've committed to this program. You can't say, well, yeah, it's going to be another five years before you have a chance to win. You have to make some concessions to them, and, and more importantly, their agents. So that's part of what's happening here. But when, when, I, when I look at the roster right now, I don't, I don't know yet. We've, we've seen right. one game, they looked awfully good in New Jersey, we'll see how it shakes out the, uh, the the top line obviously was incredibly productive last year with Clayton Keller Nick Schmaltz and Barrett Hayton i really want to see what logan cooley can bring i don't want to sure. i hope they don't put too many expectations on him but my god guys this this kid is as skilled as any player i've ever watched on the coyotes
0: he looks special that's for sure that
2: backhand pass oh
1: and, I mean,
0: yeah. are the days of, of taking on, like, bunk contracts finally over for this team? You know, they were doing a lot of teams some favors. Uh, the Islanders are one of them. And, and and you wonder, is is it finally, you know, has that time finally come to a close now that it looks like they're trying to be more competitive, where they're not going to be doing these, you know, get-out-of-jail uh, trades for, for other teams here?
1: You know, I asked Bill that. He, he, he did say that that era was over, but he's not going to... He's not going to say, you know, he's not going to close the door entirely. If someone okay. comes to him with an incredible offer, yeah, he's probably still going to listen to it because he likes the idea of stacking the drafts out years, right. year after year. So you have all these assets coming in. If you look at their next three drafts, they have 13 picks in the first two rounds over <laughs> totally. the next three years. So they're, they're going to continue to stop this pipeline. So I, yeah. again, I don't think it's going to be, you know, sort of their MO at this point, but they, they won't say no if a good opportunity comes along.
2: Okay. And the honors can't buy a first-round pick. But, uh, uh, Craig, I wanted to ask you about Karol Vigmelka. I mean, to me, he's criminally underrated. What have you seen from his development over the last couple of years?
1: Well, he's just such a surprise, right? They bring this kid in, and he was supposed to be going to Tucson. He was going to be one of the two goaltenders in Tucson, and he played so well in camp that he ended up being the starter. Of course, Carter Hutton was here, and Carter Hutton, his, his short era here was disastrous, and so that was part of it. But Carell Venelka played really well for him. It's hard, and I saw you having a conversation with someone on Twitter about this, Devin. (laughs) It's hard to judge him, right, because he's playing behind the team that Mm -hmm. he's been playing behind the last two years. This will probably be a good season to judge Carell. I think they're going to defend better. I still think their blue line is the weakness of the team, but they're going to defend better. So we'll get a really good read on him. He has two years left on his contract. Curious to see what his future looks like, especially because they just signed Connor Ingram to a three-year extension and Connor Ingram was terrific over the second half of last season, so it's an interesting goaltending situation right now.
0: And, and Craig, uh, who, are the, who are the Islanders going to have to key on? I mean, obviously, there's probably some names that are going to pop out that are pretty obvious, but who who's who are the Islanders going to have to key in on Tuesday to make sure they're keeping them off the score sheet?
1: Well, it, it, it absolutely starts with the top line, uh, Keller Schmaltz and, and Hayden, and I I don't know if this is going to continue either, but Nick Schmaltz was the best coyote on the ice in that game in New Jersey. The, 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 the thing we've always seen from him, he, he can carry the puck through the neutral zone with greater speed than just about anybody in the NHL. It's not Connor McDavid, but that's one of his greatest assets. And he's incredibly skilled. But when I watched him working the boards, winning board battles, that was to me like a new development in Nick Schmaltz's game. If, if he's going to play like that, that, that line could be just absolutely terrifying. They're one of the top 10 scoring lines in the league last season. And the other thing that may work in their favor and it'll work in Logan Cooley's favor is the Tigers have three legitimate scoring lines now. They didn't have that last year. So there's going to be more things for opponents to have to key in on. Sure. Like I said, that'll help Logan Cooley, but it'll probably also help that top line because they won't get all of the attention. Right.
2: I thought Sean Jersey Craig, this summer was a really low-key acquisition, but what have you... I mean, he looks great, but what have you seen for him during camp and in that first game?
1: Well, they really got him to develop a quarterback for the power play they, they really like what they saw from him there and and he, he's looked good in that role uh, uh, but he's a young defenseman and I have to be honest he's going to have to work on a lot of the, the defensive sides of his game he doesn't defend well in his own zone he's not he, he's got a lot of issues defensively that I know they're going to be working on with him and again he's a young defenseman and in my opinion that's the toughest position to play in this league so they, they like a lot of the, the potential there certainly the offensive potential and the power play but he's going to i think they're going to protect him I, think, you know, I don't know if you saw that he was on the third pair but they were giving him lots of power play minutes and it turned out they had a lot of power plays in that game but he, he's going to be a bit protected until until they can bring him along
2: and you mentioned Logan Cooley before and you don't want to have too many high expectations for the kid but i guess going back to the summer i thought you know the talk was that he was going to go back to school he decides not to can you just take us through if you had conversations with him about you know what went into that decision and again what are the expectations in year 1
1: Yeah, it's funny, um, and I I was able to print this later when he actually decided to come to the Coyotes. When he announced that he was going back to Minnesota, Bill Armstrong pulled me aside and said, I will put money on Logan Cooley being in a Coyotes jersey when this season starts. So he had a feeling that this kid just wanted to turn pro. And he did. He he was so driven to turn pro. He he just wanted to see how some things shook out with what the Coyotes were going to do. And that was part of their off-season moves, getting guys like Jason Zucker and Alex Kerfoot, and Matt Gumba. He wanted to see if they were going to put together a bit of a legitimate lineup. Uh, Clayton Keller and and Logan Cooley are represented by the same agent, Scott Bartlett. You can bet that there was some pressure there behind the scenes to see what they were going to do. But they had a feeling he was going to end up here all along because he's so driven. Uh, In terms of expectations, his expectations for himself are off the charts. I mean, I talked to him about this in Australia And he said, look, I want to do everything I can to help this team. But, yeah, I want to put up big numbers, and I want to win the Calder Trophy. So he just came out and said it. Um, As Andre said, I have zero expectations for him. My job is to manage his expectations. So that's what Bill and Andre are both thinking. We have to manage his expectations. And then in game one of the Global Series, he throws out a spiderama falling and soaring. and, And I literally texted Bill and said, good luck. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, Craig, absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. Really appreciate your time. Uh, hope to speak to you again down the road and have a great rest of your night.
1: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, you guys Craig.
0: All right, folks, that Thanks. was Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports and NHL correspondent for the Arizona Coyotes. So great stuff from Craig. And, uh, hey, Ed, what do you say we go into the hero of the week, buddy? Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, John, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onions, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella, fresh, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero. So with that out of the way,
2: Stefan Rosner, who is your Hero of the Week? Sean Cuthbert, my Hero of the Week is Simon Holmstrom. We've talked about him already, but I think a lot of arguments on Twitter was... The eye test didn't match the stats. The stats didn't match the eye test. I don't know what game you guys were all watching. I mean, to me, the eye test matched the stats. We're not talking about shots on goal, which he had none. Hits, he didn't have any. We're talking about the advanced stats. And I think we all talked about how it's about what he does for the line, right? Sure. I wrote down some numbers, Sean. Hey, he played 1507. tell us about him. He played... I'm going to. That's why I wrote him down. 15.07 uh, time on ice, and his core C4 was 75%. Now, core C4 is... Shots for divided by shots against when you're on. So his 21 Corsi 4 was tied with Matt Barzal for the team lead. Horvat was one behind them at 20. But the standout was that when he was on the ice, the Sabres only had seven shots on goals. He had the highest Corsi 4 for the Islanders. and He was only on the ice for seven Buffalo shots. And people could say, oh, yeah, you know, he's a responsible defensive guy. But right. that's not what it was about. If you watch the game, this is when you go back to the eye test it's he made the plays in the neutral zone to get the Islanders in the offensive zone, which meant the Sabres weren't getting into the Islanders zone. And that's why you saw the Corsi four such a positive number because he was doing all the right things to keep the play up the ice rather than having to back check and make plays in his own zone, which of course Mm. would help his Corsi. It was about driving the puck through the neutral zone and getting chances on goal. Again, Horvath's not getting eight shots on goal if Holmstrom's not making the plays he made in that neutral zone. So I thought, again, he took a lot of heat the whole week leading up to it, a lot of pressure on himself mm. to produce. He kept it simple, had had a very strong showing, and it's a showing that he could definitely build on.
0: Yeah, and I think you know your argument would have had a little more backup if
2: he pots that goal, Barzell yep, or
0: Horvat <laughs> pots one of those yeah. shots into the net. So I get it, but again, let's see how this experiment goes. I think I agree with you. First line still looks pretty good, despite the fact that nothing went to the net. But eventually, and soon. They're gonna to have to start going in, and then I think uh, if the heat on Holmstrom continues, I can understand why that's happening. But let's give it more of a chance. But a good pick on Holmstrom, and and I still have to get you know get involved in this uh, advanced stat stuff because I got to tell you, it's still like Greek to me. I haven't looked the Corsi stuff. Yeah, naturalstattrak. So like Shout like out that. to them. Yeah, Fenway. Yeah, all that stuff, I don't know, what know that stuff.
2: Goals saved above expected. Yeah. All the fun
0: ones. And that's why uh, with my hero, I went with the stat sheet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brock Nelson is my hero of the week. Goal and an assist. It's Brock Brocktober. Uh, he looked excellent out there. A, a grizzled veteran now for uh, for the New York Islanders. In his
2: prime, a grizzled veteran in his prime.
0: Yeah, no, he he looks great. He has looked great over the past couple seasons. Looks like he's picking up where he left off. So it's nice to see him getting getting uh, underway right away. In the first game against the Buffalo Sabres, I thought him and the rest of his line looked very well. Hopefully, a guy like Kyle Palmieri stays healthy so they can keep playing everything. as well as they. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I like what I see out of him in that line so far. Brock Nelson is my hero of the week.
2: And imagine Trotz never came here. Think about what Trotz did for Brock. Well, first off, think about what Tavares leaving did for Brock. Hey, that's a decent point. And then we, nobody mentions and that. That's why when we talk about Brock, yes, maybe he's on the other side of thirty. It's just his birthday. Actually, happy birthday to Brock happy today. Happy birthday, Brock. It's his birthday today. Isn't right? it Godier's birthday too? And and Scott Mayfield's <laughs> birthday was yesterday. Birthdays all around. But yeah, with Brock, it's to me his career didn't start until Trots got there. It unleashed this confidence that we hadn't seen. His two way game, his elite sniping. I mean, last year he was the NHL's most accurate shooter and an all star. And I think, I right. think sure, maybe <laughs> eventually at some point Brock will start to decline. You, you can't – I mean, if he does, wow. Like, they got to lock this guy up forever. But um, at some point he's going to drop, but that day is not today. And I think for the Islanders right now, having him as your – I mean, he could be a number one center. He's a, he's an elite player. People don't give him credit. He's, no, he's criminally underrated in the league. Everyone talks about it. I think last year people around the league finally saw, uh, you saw it in the All-Star game and in the skillless competition. Like, mm-hmm. who is this guy? Because, again, if you're in the Islanders, whatever, people – People in Winnipeg, I have no idea.
0: And I think you made a great point about you know, not only Trotz coming in, of course, but the fact that John Tavares leaving was was it was an open door for him. Changed everything
2: for a lot of guys. It created, more an, time. It,
0: it created an opportunity for him, and and because you, you know you kind of wondered if he had a stuck around, right? You would have had Barzell, Nelson, and and Tavares all together. Maybe Nelson ends up in your as your third line center. Paggio probably never Doesn't, ends nope. up becoming a, so a New York Islander. Here.
2: That's your four, unless unless they decided back then to move Barzell to the wing.
0: Yeah, and there's there's some money things to think about too, but. To, to keep it on Brock Nelson. I mean, maybe he never is afforded the opportunity to break out to become the player he ended up being. So,
2: And it was, remember, he was so streaky. I talked about it yeah. uh, the other day. I yeah. talked to him about Brock October and, and I didn't realize that it started the same way the Bailey song started. It was a knock on him for Brock Tober because he would only produce in October, and the rest of the season would be yeah. streaky on off. So I talked yeah. to him, he goes, October is the longest month of the year.
0: And admittedly, I kind of forgot that, that it did start out that way. Like, it's been so long, and I guess it's just been so well accepted in the Islander community that, that I just started to view it as a, as a positive thing. But, yeah, you're right. It did start out that way because, you know, oh, Brock, he's great in October, and then he disappears for the rest of the season. But uh, now he is he's fairly consistent throughout.
2: And last year it took him game until game eight to score. And then he scored two goals against Carolina in Bailey's 1,000th game. Uh, and, um, and he scored in like three straight after that. And he had, what, took him five minutes to get one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> five minutes to get one, 20 minutes. I, he didn't get the second one, but that's a point, two points. So sure, in one sure. period. Sure. I'll take that.
0: Well, kudos to Holmstrom, kudos to Nelson. Those are your hero of the week candidates, and now Ed, hopefully you're ready at the trigger because we're going to move on to questions
3: brewing. It's time for a questions brewing. So go ahead, ask us a question.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I forgot about that. It's uh, it's quite something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that intro.
2: Oh, I well. in <laughs> to chat. So that's, that's
3: Sean, everybody. By it, the way, no, it's not. No, it's not. That's, that's not. a hired it's gun, a, you know, buddy. That's, that's not, not me. Nip. You're your that's own Nip, hired right? gun.
0: It's a hired
2: gun. I'm it's on Nip. to
3: you.
0: It's <laughs> Nip doesn't have a voice. He's a mascot. That's he true. He
2: would get fired. He's just end,
0: presenting questions, bro. And you see him there.
2: And tips. <laughs> and tips
0: nips tips yeah yeah hope uh, hope you guys are checking out nips tips every friday he has a lot of good advice uh, on life every friday morning <laughs> so really
2: trust what he says so, yeah
0: tune in uh every friday because our new uh our new mascot adopted mascot nip uh he's got tips for you every week so uh, hope, hope you guys are enjoying that and if you haven't seen it yet check it out
3: okay ed jay how's the chat looking we got questions we're, or what? uh you know are they only. brewing they're brewing okay um, all right you know but uh <laughs> some people are just not happy with a win tonight, you know it's just not enough. Oh, it's never geez. enough it's never Sometimes enough it's
0: just very hard to please Isles nation I, I know but Sometimes. before we get
3: started with the chat, uh, try to be fair we have uh we have one question on uh that came from Twitter from oh, Mike, yeah, Michael okay. on twitter okay uh handle at am I crying <laughs> I hope not <laughs> well, that's a great name. uh how long is Lambert's leash with Dobson on power play one
0: you want to field that one, Stefan
2: why not um <laughs> How long is the leash? I just don't see them making that change. They just need mm. kind of... If Dobson, again, is not going to play the defensive style, he's got to be the power play guy. And they're going to do everything they can to make him that guy because he has to have a reason to be on this team. <laughs> um, no, if, if he's going to be a bottom-pairing defenseman because he's not going to play the defense and he's going to struggle in the power play, how can you pay the guy in a year? And what are you paying that guy? Question. And I think, again, yeah. high draft pick. They called him up at, what, 19 years old. You know, he didn't play in the AHL, right? So, comes right from juniors, and he comes up here. You know, you look back, he doesn't develop. And they make, you know, that's, again, admitting to a mistake, too. Should he have gone and played in the AHL for a little bit? Should they have kept the training wheels on last year rather than putting it with Romanov? So, yeah, they need Dobson to figure it out. But, again, we talked about it, It's all confidence. And if yeah. Dobson can figure out on the power play, I think it unlocks everything for his five-on-five play. Because, the more, again, if you're not getting it done offensively, it's going to impact the, your defensive play because you're just so focused on what you're doing wrong on the other side of the puck. that, it, And like baseball too, if you're struggling at the plate, you're probably going to struggle on the field. Things like that. So I think right. for the Islanders, Lambert's giving him as large of a chance as possible. But at the same time, if it becomes egregious where every time he has the puck, he's turning it over, sure, Lambert has no choice and Aho could be your number one guy. But the Islanders really need Dobson to be that guy. And you saw him practice. He has the ability to do it. It's not like he doesn't. Right. He. Can, I mean, we saw him run a power play. We've seen him rack <laughs> up the goals. He can definitely do it. Like everybody on the power play, they all know how to score goals. So, I think if Dobson can figure out on the power play, that would help his five-on-five five game. So, f- for that reason, I think the leash is pretty long. And also, okay, what are you gonna? Who do you? You don't want to put Aho there.
0: Well, I think that's what the thought is. Is if if, he, if he's not going to do it, it's probably Aho, right?
2: And I, listen, I think Aho. You know, last year the final two power play goals they scored last game of the year. Um, was it last game of the year was Lee against Montreal, the game they needed to win to get in. And then in the playoffs, it was Palmieri scoring both off basic wrist shots from Ajo at the point. Mm. Um, but again, if Dobson figures out on player play one and he's able to open up some ice for Barzal and Horvath and that power play starts clicking and you have always as your second quarterback, mm. just makes this team so much deeper and, and tougher to defend against.
0: Yeah, big, big focus here for Noah Dobson. We'll see how it pans out. Ed, have you
3: got any nice comments on the suit? Oh, yeah, plenty.
0: Good, that's what I like to hear. You look
3: Actually, uh, I, I had one degrading one. Enzab uh, oh, actually no. asked if uh, this was a rental. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> very Absolutely nice. Not. Yeah. Love yeah. that, love that. All right, what do you right. got next? Uh, this next one is a very special question from none other than Stefan's own girlfriend, Alyssa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Alyssa would like to know, how much do Ilya and Brock's backs hurt?
2: Yeah, probably uh, a lot, but they have great trainers, though. I know that for a fact. And I think, yeah, I think this is the year finally where... Brock shouldn't have to carry the workload. The last couple of years, again, whether it be through injuries or anything like that, it's it was the Brock show. And mm. if Brock carried the offense for back to back years, mm. so this year his Brock should, his Brock his back shouldn't hurt as much. And for Sorokin, we talk about the defensive structure and breaking out of the zone. I mean, Sorokin had to be brilliant last year. He was a Vesna candidate because he had to do mm-hmm. everything. But you look at back at the the Leonard year, right? That whole year is was Leonard that good as what the stats showed? Probably not, but their structure made it easy on him. And I think this is the mm-hmm. year, especially you got to figure out if Dobson can shore up his defensive game. But if you yeah. could have you know, two strong pairings and have Mayfield and Ajo down there and the forwards are getting back and that structure is tight and stopping guys from getting to the front of the net, that's one going to allow Sorokin to play more games because he's not going to be as tired. He'll be more ready if they do make the playoffs. And it'll just make him more confident in himself because he doesn't have to focus on those three or four saves he has to make one after another. It's okay. Like yesterday. He had the time, and maybe it was a short amount of time, to think blocker out to the zone. If he was right. under fire, under siege, he probably just stopped the puck. And that we know that's his mindset, and I think less pressure on him. He can make some of those plays that go under the radar that help the Islanders get more on the offensive attack.
0: Yeah, and they're going to be two of the key reasons why they either succeed or fail this season. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully the uh, the responsibility is spread out a little more. Let me ask you this before we go on to the next question, Stefan. How many games are fans going to give Bo Horvat to score his first goal before they start uh, regretting?
2: The I trade? think it ultimately <laughs> depends how many assists he racks up. Because okay. again, we saw in training camp and preseason, okay. Barzal was the one bearing. Yeah. Horvat was the one. I think Horvat could set a career high in assists. Mm. I really do. I think, and I think Barzal is going to set a career high in goals this year. I think it's just. Uh, the nature of the beast because we know for a fact that the defense or whoever the forwards checking are is they see Horvat as a threat for Mm -hmm. the shot Barzal as the pass so they take the pass away Barzal has to shoot and he's shown the confidence and vice versa Mm -hmm. Barzal starts shooting that's going to open up the ice for for Horvat. so I think this is truly going to be a year where you see this duo just unleash hell essentially on on their opponents but again they got to get going now creating chances is great Um, but if you don't finish then it's it's kind of worthless
3: yeah sooner than later would be great ed what do you got next we got next up from trottier 19 hello trottier uh speaking of the power play you were talking a bit about that before stefan with uh dobson uh he wants to discuss the power play and he asks why don't guys move on the power play they stay in the same spots and just pass easy for opponents to cover is it coaching or bad personnel
2: want to take this?
0: Okay, I'll, I'll get it started. Yeah, we talked
3: about this last week,
0: and and we thought we were going to see, as you said, a little more movement on the ice. There's a little more deception. And, yeah, that was a big part of their problem last season is that they were very stationary, very predictable, and it, and it made it very easy for, for penalty kills to be aggressive on them and, you know, force turnovers, force pucks out of the zone. And, you know, I was a little discouraged to see that it kind of looked a little too much of the same and maybe they still got to find their groove, you know. Fingers crossed. As far as, as far as coaching versus personnel, I'm I'm still leaning more towards personnel uh, because they're ultimately making the decisions on the ice with how they're going to move on the ice, how they're going to pass the puck, who they're passing it to. I mean, yes, there's strategy in play that comes from the coaching staff, of course, but I think it's really on these guys to figure it out and get get themselves in the right headspace to to have a successful power play.
2: I think with McLean back, the onus we talked about, the onus is on the players. Clearly, Lou did not think that it was the coach, which meant he was saying it's it's on you guys. Right. And um, I'm more intrigued by power play too, with Pulak being in the one time spot on the left mm. because maybe if he hit the net on that Palmieri goal, that which ended up being Palmieri's goal, but that's what he has to do. I talked to Pulak and I said, you know, essentially, how do you get more consistent with your shot because you have an absolute cannon, and they could use that to their advantage, and he's shown it before. And he said what he does, he looks at the net and picks half the net that he wants to hit. Now, some people said, well, if you're cutting the net in half, that means you're more likely to miss. But at the same time, you're keying in on one spot rather than just too much net and, and not thinking. You know, and maybe. And the other thing Pulak said was he's going to take a little bit off his shot. Again, hmm. too, when you have a hard shot like that, mm-hmm. the goalie can make the save, but that puck is probably bouncing off him. Right. And with so many right. bodies in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Parise about it. When he saw guys like Pulak wind up, he didn't stay in front for the screen. He moved right, anticipating where the rebound was going to go. And who cares if Pulak, sure, if he gets one teed up, we he could go short side or high glove side, whatever the case may be, he's going to let it rip. But at the same time, if he sees bodies in front, take a little miles per hour off the shot, go for the low pad you're probably going to have a better chance with chaos. Oh, no,
0: listen, if, if easing up on the shot is going to put more accuracy on a shot, please, by all means, do that. Because we, we've joked around about how <laughs> shots seem to go up, down, left, and right away from the net. So if that's what it takes, fine. I'm curious to see how it goes, too. And... And look, it didn't, as you said earlier, it didn't burn them in their first game against Buffalo. They still were able to win the game, get three goals on the board, despite going 0-3. But yeah, I mean, look, we're obviously going to have eyeballs in this all season, and it's going to it's gonna be a narrative. It's going to be a storyline, whether it h- helps or hinders them. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't an encouraging first game on the power play, but hopefully hopefully they pick it up.
2: And Barzal said, he goes, it has to be better. Like, if we want to make the playoffs, it has to be better. And again, talk is not the same thing as actually going out there yeah. and getting it done. And Score again, some goals, buddy. he made a statement. <laughs> And shout out MSG for putting my tweet on TV yesterday. That was pretty oh, cool. I appreciated that. Congratulations. That, that um, Barzal told me, and he said, it was actually in a group scrum, that you know, Dobson's the quarterback on the power play. If he's moving the puck, it gets us going. So he has to be the quarterback. He's got to create lanes for us. Mm-hmm. And again, we all know it starts with Dobson, which is why I don't think he's going to have a short leash because when Dobson's going, you could see it. And the confidence grows. And he, he, could, he could so be that guy. It's just about getting into that level this time.
3: We shall see, Ed. What do you got next? Next up is from Mr. Tom Boyle. G Boyle. Uh, he wants to know: Is Arizona making the playoffs this year, and are the Islanders a playoff team? <laughs> well, Stefan already <laughs> gave his
0: prediction I, for I the think, Coyotes.
2: I think the Coyotes are going to surprise a lot of people. Now, again, that's a large jump to go from pretty mm, bad team sure for, for like generations to um, to making the playoffs. But like Craig said, is that top line maybe maybe you know. I those guys aren't like big-name guys outside of Keller, but mm-hmm. they just find a way to get it done. And yeah. like he said, they have goal scorers throughout that lineup. They have D that activate off the rush. They have a good goalie in Vigmilka. I mean, when you have a goalie like, like him, maybe he's not going to be a top 15 goal in the league in terms of when you think of the top 15 goals in the league. But mm-hmm. again, very underrated. He gets the job done. And teams like that are... are People maybe, okay, we're playing a back to back. We're playing the Coyotes. We're going to rest our starting goalie. We're mm-hmm. going to do that. Mm-hmm. Then they beat you. I mean, they beat ours. I feel like they beat Toronto every time they play Toronto.
0: Yeah, no, that's now, the to, thing. Now, that's Toronto thing, yeah. doesn't
2: have to worry because they just dominate the regular season. But for other teams that are, you know, maybe not, maybe they're wild card teams, they might they take playing Arizona for granted. They come out slow. Yeah. You can't do that. Worse, right. You can't do that against any team in the league. Right. And you did it against Arizona last year when they weren't good and they beat you, like the mm-hmm. Islanders. Um, they took their foot off the the gas a couple of times and got burned and now they got better. So you can't sleep on this team. Again, you just saw what they did to the devils. That, that was a statement win for them that, Hey, sure. We're going to be on the road. We're going to come into a team. That's probably going to be a top five team in the East top division guy for the team for the Metro. Mm -hmm. And we're going to beat them. So Yeah, I mean, no,
0: it's impressive. I mean, look, the, the start of the season is always a little wishy-washy, right? Because you do get some teams that come out like a cannon, and, and then all of a sudden they come back down to earth. We've seen Buffalo do that a million and one times, yeah. I feel like, over the past decade or two, right? And, you know, and it, it, you really got to get into, like, I don't know. I'd say at least like 15 games into the season before you really start to see where teams are gonna, you know, settle within the standings and where they're gonna perform for the season. As far as Arizona being a playoff team, I don't think they're gonna get there yet. Uh, but sure, surprise me. That would be cool. And uh, the Islanders, we talked about it last week. Uh, I'm gonna stick by it. I think they're gonna be a playoff team. Yeah, I, I, I think agree. so
2: too. I think just the whole we we beat the horse, whatever the expression is, about about <laughs> the running it back. The horse has to be dead. Or oh, we kill the horse, then beat it? Well,
0: yeah, that's 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 the phrase, yeah. yeah.
2: Whatever. <laughs> um, You get my point, is that them running it back isn't them running it back, and if you want to know why I said that, watch last week's episode. I like
1: Plugged that. I look at that. I like that.
2: Well, Just because I'm getting that, tired man. of repeating it, and it, again, it's not the same team, but again, go watch it. I don't want to talk All about right, it. All right, Fancy Pants wow. Ed,
3: what do you got next? Enzab09. <laughs> uh, uh, can we now say that the trade of... Oh God, I always butcher his name, Toes. <laughs> Taves. Taves. I know, but the W almost makes it look like a more correct look, spelling have, version everybody of Everybody who saw the spelling yeah. of
0: that name for the first time thought it's it was just, Toes. It's a bad <laughs> habit. Until they heard it was I'm, Taves with Jonathan Taves. Yeah. All right. Go so ahead. Taves, uh,
3: can, we, uh, all right. can we now say that the trade of Taves and leaning on Dobson was a big mistake? It's, it's twofold.
2: <laughs> go ahead. Go, go, you go.
3: It's not looking good right
0: now. (laughs) It's not. But again, I mean, look, could there have been other decisions that could have been made at the time? Yes, and and we're not going to take the time to try to, you know, speculate what that might have been. But we know that it was a forced trade that Lou came out and said he did not want to make the trade. And he he got two picks for him at the time. And yeah, right now it doesn't look great because Taves has become Taves in Colorado. We know what he's doing out there. He's, He's already got a ring. And Noah Dobson, while still being a fifty-point scorer, has a lot to you know figure out on the defensive end of things, and he's not as reliable as Taves yet. No, so right now the the bet on Dobson doesn't look great. Although, like you still can't discount fifty points back to back, essentially forty nine last year. But that's nothing to you know bat an eye at. Is has it been perfect? Has he been as good as Taves? No, he has not. Does he still have a chance to be what? He's still only twenty three.
2: I was going to say Taves is much older. Tays broke right. into the league at 26. Right, it took More him mature, a lot of
0: seasoning down in
2: Bridgeport. And, and I'm the not like saying to... Pelic isn't an amazing defense. We you know he is. Taves is playing with Kill McCarr. Yeah, that, that, helps. that, 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 that changes, helps. That changes some. I'm not saying Tays isn't good. Uh, Look, he's, he's very good. But, again, like you said, it was situational. I think the fun fact to add is the Islanders got two second-round picks back. I did a story on Fashing, and and um, Fashing started in the, in the United States national development team. mm mm-hmm. um, goes to the Kings, and the Sabres really wanted him. So this, the Sabres traded McNabb, the defenseman, and two second-round picks to the Kings when Fashing was a freshman in college at the University of Minnesota to bring him on to Buffalo. Huh. Yeah, How fun fact that? there, you know? How nice. about that?
0: Yeah, look, black and white... The answer is no, it doesn't look good right now. <laughs> it Doesn't look good. Chase is
2: pretty happy though with how it turned out?
0: Uh, I would say he's he's doing all right. I'm pretty over sure there they did an interview in
2: when like the first time the honors went to Colorado. Mm. He's like, "Yeah, I love Lamarillo." Like, "I appreciate." I'm like, "Yeah, of course you did." <laughs> like, you <laughs> right. know, but um, No, you're
0: right, he did say a lot of good good things about Lou. Look, I mean, again, he his hand was kind of forced a little bit. It happened. It would be nice to have DeVonte still on the Islanders. Yes, yes it would. <laughs> you know, like I saw the announcement of the contract signing and I groaned a little bit, but but it is what it is. But hopefully Dobson gets his defensive game together because then we might be saying, "Hey, this actually worked out all right." And
2: again, we talked we'll about see. the mental thing. If he could if he yeah. could get confidence in his defensive game, it's going to translate into offense. It just is. That's how it works.
3: All right. Next and up from Thomas Panic. How much do you think the pandemic and the AHL AHL minimum wage Rule hampered Dobson's
2: development. We just talked about it. So the age rule is you can't. Um, what's the age? You can't be nineteen. I think. It, I think it's nineteen. Yeah, I think
0: uh, the ninth. Yeah, you have to be nineteen or older. Yeah. So to, yeah. so we saw
2: with Isaiah George this past year, not with the pandemic rule, but in terms of. Isaiah George could only have made the NHL roster mm-hmm. or he goes back to juniors. And when you send a player back to juniors, you cannot bring them to the organization mm-hmm. until their season ends. You have to make a decision. They stay on the NHL roster as a seventh defenseman or in the starting lineup or they go back to juniors because, again, there was no ability to just put Dobson in the AHL and bring him up. It was he goes back to juniors. Right. And they lose him for the whole year and he develops and out I, there. But he was ready, I think, after junior. I don't think it would have helped him to go back down there and dominate like he did. Like I don't think that helps a player. Now we saw with players like Dufour obviously was an overager there and Maggio and they both had ridiculous years. But that they also lost their major developmental years due to COVID were lost. That yeah. was a difference maker for them.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a it's a good question to ask, but you know you don't you don't really know. I mean you you, you can look at the cross. situation. Yeah, because some prospects benefit from the extra year in juniors other prospects, you know, benefit from the step up. Do we do we know if Dobson would have a would be playing better defensively right now if he Probably played in the NHL instead of the, instead of juniors? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't even know how you know one can make that claim. Is it possible? Absolutely. But uh, unless, uh, you know, the TVA can branch us off into that timeline to see uh, <laughs> what happened in Bridgeport, we're, we're never going to know. But uh, hopefully the kid gets it together. A lot of focus on Dobson. but yeah, s- There's more. Wait, but, wait, wait. wait. But oh, wow. Before we
2: do that, but the th- you're seeing the thing with Bolduke now. Not that he was junior eligible. He's not. But the fact is, is, he's your seventh guy right now. And I think in a perfect world, you'd put him in the AHL and let him keep growing. But he's not waiver exempt. So now he's stuck up here. And if he's not playing, mm-hmm. now yeah. he's in a spot where – you know, how does he build on his last year and the mistakes he made last year? If he doesn't get into games. You know, is that hindering his development? I, I think so, too. I think
0: he's going to get in. You know, I don't think they're necessarily going to wait for an injury to put Balduk, Balduk in. I think maybe uh, him and Ajo will do some splits.
2: But again, the longer you, you wait him up here, is are you is that a mistake for a guy that took strides last year and gets sure. called up? So we'll see.
3: We'll see. Ed, next up from New Wave Halifax. Uh, will the Islanders pick up a new enforcer as part of the bottom six rejuvenation, either this year or next year?
2: No.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying probably not, but I'm glad the question was asked because I guess, you know, you kind of reel the Johnston news into that, right? You know, he obviously ends up getting waived to make room for for Holmstrom, essentially, to keep him up on the roster. And, um, you know, now that, I suppose, presence, even though he didn't necessarily get on the ice all the time, is has left a, a hole there. I don't know if that's something that, that Lou is going to be looking to fix, uh, f- sorry, Phil anytime soon. But uh, it is interesting now that he's not there. Um, you know, like again, we, we talked about it a lot, but uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think they're just going to roll with what they have and, you know, let Martin continue to be the, uh, the police officer that he is on the ICM. Yeah.
2: It really is going to depend when that first Islander gets absolutely crushed and who stands up. Uh, that was a major issue last year, right? No, but everyone kept getting hurt. There was no retaliation, which, of course, some right. teams don't want that retaliation, but at right. the same time, the more times you allow hits like that, teams are going to take advantage of that. Um, but in terms of Ross, again, he wasn't playing a lot. right? And I think with the Ducks, it's a huge opportunity because, you know, everyone's like, why would a team pick up Ross Johnson as 1.1? Well, by adding Ross, they still had like $8 million in cap space, and Kalorn, a grinding forward who stands up for his teammates, is hurt. He broke his mm. finger or something like that. So I think Johnson, the first couple of weeks, is going to get a chance to play and and kind of prove Good himself for him, in his hopefully. first game. Though he played five minutes, so you know that might be the beginning of the end immediately. <laughs> um, and yeah. again, Ross was such a great guy; they loved him in the room. We talked about that last week, right? And again, that's a young Ducks team, so that that is there's value there for sure, yeah. whether he's playing or not. Sure, it is Anaheim, nice weather too. So hopefully <laughs> right. Ross, hopefully Ross does get to play because that's kind of you know why did Lou put him in waivers? He didn't have to, did he do it? So hoping he was going to get claimed, things like that. So you just want to see hopefully Ross gets a chance to play and make the most of it.
0: Lou finally decided that it was it was worth it was time. Keep, yeah, it was time. It was worth keeping the the twenty three man roster that he went with in lieu of. Of Johnson, and he, and he shaved off a uh, $1.1 $1. $1 off the cap, so that, that
3: had something to do with it too. Ed, do you have any more? Uh, yeah, the next one is from Bilch, or Bill C H 89 Okay. Correct me about that. Okay. Um, with Barzal now at left wing, what kind of chance do you see of the Islanders putting one of his favorite players, Patrick Kane, on the right side?
2: Well, I know last year, per source, that Kane did not want to come to the Islanders. I think we all mm. knew he wanted to be a Ranger, right? Yeah.
0: Everybody does,
2: but oddly <laughs> enough, or ironically enough, or whatever, Patrick Kane's cousin plays for LIU. Hmm. Is a forward for LIU, and um, so maybe there's a hey, come play in the same area that you know the practice facility is where Depends LIU plays games. They are. They're close. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they're not close <laughs> okay. in age because Kane is in his sure. mid thirties and this kid's sure. 21, 22. Okay. But they're pretty close. So okay, maybe I think. I think there's a lot of teams that want Kane. I think Buffalo makes a ton of sense. I know he had that whole issue with the police out there and the tax or whatever that, mm, that stuff was. Yes. I don't know if they'll forgive him Taxi for that. Taxi driver, yes. I, I guess if he scores goals, they'll forgive him. Probably. But I think there's a lot of teams where Kane fits more. But again, too, it does change now with them needing a right winger and not needing a left winger.
3: Okay, Ed, I think we got time for one more, and then we'll close All right. It um, we'll do another one from NZAB then. Um did either of you guys have issues with Lane's line choices? They didn't seem to be playing matchups and were just putting out random lines.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting that uh, they they started the game with first line versus first line, right? I mean, you know, you go back over the last few years. You, probably the fourth line ends up starting, or at least maybe they throw out JG's line. Yeah, to, usually Pedro, yeah, right to to go against the first line. So, uh, I honestly, I wasn't uh, I wasn't putting too much emphasis on it, uh, other than you know just the way they, they they started the game. But Steph, if you have any, anything to add there,
2: I think it's a feeling out process for sure. And Matt, and not again, they didn't do the matchup thing, but at the same time, he's got to see what each line brings too. Again, we mm-hmm. talked about how that third line was. You know, where does Lee fit in? How did that line look? Maybe he didn't trust him to start the game. He wanted to get the speed going. Mm -hmm. Go back to Simon Holmstrom. He was their best defensive forward when he got called up last year before that knee injury. He kind of changes their ability to start that line because Horvat's very strong defensively. Barzal, we know, could uh, steal pucks. And Holmstrom's very responsible. So maybe that does add an element where Lane has no issues starting them against the other opponent's best because they are defensively sound.
0: They are defensively sound. So I think we can wrap up questions Bruin and we can wrap this thing up. So cue that music. Alright ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. I want to send out a huge thanks to Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports and of course a big thanks to our sponsors starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgame.com also a big thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law nobody likes going to court but if you have to Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation and of course a big thanks to Floored Media for hosting us here big thanks to you Stefan for being here tonight where can we find you on social media
2: yeah Twitter at er, x (laughs) at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N. Underscore R O S N E R, the Hockey News Islander site and NHL.com.
0: You can follow myself at Shoni Hockey. You can follow the show at hockey night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, X. TikTok. No, it's Twitter, Stephanie. Okay. It'll always be Twitter. You can follow us on all those places. Uh, big thanks to Ed. Big thanks to Jay. Big thanks to Shuis Jake hanging out
3: there. Don't forget Ed How are we doing, buddy? Big thanks to Ed
0: Suit. Big, th- big thanks to Ed's Suit. I can't <laughs> wait to see I can't wait to see what you rent next week. Or next episode <laughs> anyway. The same and
2: thanks to them too. The the chat was yeah,
0: chat was great. Chat was great. So, folks, once again, thank you for tuning into to Hockey Night in New York. And also, remember, we're doing that fan rant video at the end of the month. I decided we're g- we're going to extend the limit to two minutes. We got some grumbles from some fans. They need a little more time than sixty seconds. So, uh, if you didn't hear about it last week, basically, we want to hear what you think. Your outlook is for the Islanders this season and we will play that video in our show at the end of the month so DM us on Twitter send it to us or you can email email us info at HockeyNightNY.com so with that for Ed, for Jay, for Shula's Jake for Stefan, I'm Sean Cuthbert we've been Hockey Night New York, we will see you next week